With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Thanks to Rothy's for supporting Made for This. Rothy's are the perfect shoes for commuting and traveling. Everyone notices them. Yes, they have chic, pointed-toe flats, but they have tons of iconic, head-turning designs and bright but sophisticated colors. Discover the versatile styles you can wear absolutely anywhere and get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash made for this. Philippians 2, verses 14 through 17. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. When you do things without grumbling or disputing, We stand out as blameless, innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. We're just going to stop right here because, team, if we get this right, if we can shift from complaining and grumbling, this is going to shift the way people view us. Now, what's interesting is I think the people that talk about God the most are some of the most grumbly and complaining people I know. (laughs) I hope that I'm not one of them. I'm sure I am to some degree. But I know that this is an issue for us, that we love to complain and grumble. I think it is addictive. (laughs) It's so easy to do. Paul loves talking about what we talk about. In Ephesians 4, he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as, as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. There's a fine line between being real and complaining and grumbling. That's why we need people that will notice it in us when we've just become someone who is focused on everything that's wrong with our lives. And Paul is also going to give us the answer. He's going to say that the way that we shine as lights in the world, that we don't grumble and complain, is to hold fast to the word of life. And we do this because of a reason, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I ran my race and that I didn't labor in vain. And so there is a purpose to our lives, and we're detracting from it when we are full of complaining, grumbling. And really the reason why is because what Paul knows is that someone that actually believes all this, that doesn't think this is myth, that actually believes in the word of God, and that this is all headed to heaven, someone can do uncomfortable things for a season without telling everybody about it. We can go through something difficult for a season. Now, some of you That season, like my best friend, Sarah, who is still recovering from a stroke that was five years ago, some of you, that difficulty is long and hard. But my friend, Sarah, if she could talk, would tell you that complaining and grumbling would have destroyed her life, that she had to choose, even though she couldn't speak, even though she had to relearn to walk and move and eat, and even though she has had to watch other people take care of her kids 
for years. She knew that if she continues to focus on everything that's wrong in her life, she will die from the pain of it. But she also knew that if she would see the good and, and all that God was giving back to her and that she would focus on her kids and what she could give them, and she would focus on the opportunity she had because of the difficult things in her life, then she would have joy and peace. And I watched someone who has lost nearly everything still not complain and not grumble. And she has her own way of doing it, she'd tell you. And I, I know it well. <laughs> it's not like she needed words to grumble and complain. We all can complain and grumble without words. But she has found hope and joy in choosing to focus on what is good. And gosh, we can do that for each other. Joy is contagious. So is disunity and complaining and grumbling. So how do we practically live this out? I say that these conversations are awkward, but I never have called them annoying. And, and I think there's a fine line between having an awkward conversation and being annoying and constantly correcting people. It's something we do in our immaturity when we're just kind of starting out as a believer and, and feeling our own conviction. We start to lay it on everybody else. What I would do with this one is rather than try to control everybody else's complaining, grumbling, work on your own. Trust that it will be contagious if you give life-giving words. The other thing that I've noticed works so well is just shifting conversations. When something is going down a track, you can shift into focusing on something more positive. So, you know, we do this with our kids all the time. Hey, let's do it with each other. It works. Redirection. If you're headed down into a conversation that is going to produce both complaining and grumbling in you and complaining and grumbling in other people, redirect the conversation into something that is helpful and more hopeful. Hey, it's Chloe. And this season, we are being, like I said, a little nostalgic here at Made For This because I can't even believe it, but we are arriving at three years of the Made For This podcast. And one of the things that has been most consistent all three years is our love for Rothy's. Like, they are so comfortable, so cute. I get so many compliments when I wear my Rothy's. They're known for the, their chic pointed toe flats that you've probably seen, but that's just the beginning. They have tons of iconic head-turning designs in bright but sophisticated colors. Plus, they work great with every outfit, so you can dress them down, you can dress them up, and what I love about them personally is that they're breathable, they're comfortable, and you can wash them. Yes, cute shoes that you can wash. I love wearing my Rothy's when I travel on airplanes. They're easy to take on and off. They look cute and make even a casual outfit feel a little bit extra sassy. Even after three years, my Rothy's still feel brand new because of the way that they stretch. All their products are knit with thread made from plastic water bottles. So they've repurposed around 125 million water bottles so far making shoes. How cool is that? Your new favorite shoes are waiting. Discover the versatile styles you can wear absolutely anywhere and get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash made for this. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash made for this for $20 off your first order. Shame wants us to stay in hiding. It wants to keep us from saying the thing that we see. It keeps us from wanting to own our truth. And I think that's what it comes down to is you and I can both still be hesitant, I think, to say it all out loud, you know, and just to get the full truth out there. So I think some of our 
tension, our good tension is making sure that we are calling each other forth, like out of the darkness and into the light. And we're willing to press each other until that we say that thing out loud. And I think we create a space for each other to do that because we're not going to leave one another. Like there's nothing that you could say ever in your life. I mean, you could call me from jail and I'm like, <laughs> I love you, you know? Always possible. <laughs> uh, you know, and and I think that ultimately yeah. is the love that we say for our families. I mean, families were kind of stuck together and so those tend to be places where we can be really safe, but man, God calls us to exercise that kind of love in the body of Christ, which is our friendships and that we belong to one another. And I think that's the safety there, you know, and also of course that we are in leadership positions. We have similar personalities. We'll, we're built in similar ways. We have a couple of kids the same age. So there is sort of the, all of the things that we do have in common, but I think it's our shared value of wanting each other to fully live in the light because we know that that's where the freedom is. That's where the good stuff is. I think all of us have the tendency to hide a little bit. So it's just yeah. important to be able to have those friends that it's like you can call and say the thing, but they're going to dig a little bit more and be like, yeah, is that really the thing? You know? You dig. Yep. I don't mean to hide. I talked to Kurt about this too. I don't mean to hide. Like I try to be vulnerable. I think I just, I don't want to think about it. So it's not like I'm sitting there heavily thinking about something and not telling you. It's that I just try not to think about it. <laughs> so when well, I'm you talking, have this ability to box things into tidy little boxes, and I'm mean, we've talked about that that you felt like a dude a lot in in that regard. And I think for me, I just I I want to feel close to you. I want you to feel known and loved. And so for me, it's that balance of of going: is there a box that's still tucked away. Like, let's pull that off the shelf. And yeah, it's never, it's not intentional ever. But I think, you know, when you have this history and a friendship where you've given each other permission to say, hey, I see a box up on that shelf. Can we pull that down and open it together? And that's really what love is. And you just did that for me on the bus, on the long, <laughs> the van ride that was supposed to be like <laughs> two and a half hour trip. It was like five and a half hour trip. And I said something out loud to you that I hadn't said. And it was about my book where I was looking back and I've just still been kind of like my soul has been still reeling from having launched my first book a few months ago. And I was telling myself a story that it was just, that it was a failure and that I was never gonna be able to write a book again. And see, look at me now saying that out loud, mm. but at the time in the van, that was the scariest thing for me to say. And I said it, and I have to say that that story lost its power over me within, yeah. honestly, within minutes of me yeah. saying it and having had a soft place to land and having you kind of say that's, you know, that's a lie. And 
you know, you pep talk me, but then also, you know, you ask the hard questions too in those moments. And so that's the freedom that comes. And it's all the stuff that Kurt talks about. And it's like putting it into practice. It truly is this dance of being able to be fully vulnerable and then having someone else be able to create a space of empathy, a shame-free zone, that is what ushers in freedom. And that's the beauty of what God calls us to. I mean, this is the this is the marrow of life. And and so I'm I'm glad we get to do that for each other. Well, and I think it's interesting what you just said, the word safe space and a soft place to land, because we're also talking about the intensity of our friendship, that we fight for each other and we ask the hard things, but yet it does still feel safe. So what do you think it is that creates a safe space in a friendship? Because I think everyone probably heard you say that and and craved it and wanted it, but but it's hard to find. It is. And it it's you know, it's not a matter of finding it. It truly is a matter of doing the work to build it. And we have put the work in and, you know, you can only have that kind of friendship when you're willing to share the thing that you don't want to say out loud. And sometimes you have to go first. You know, sometimes you have to be the one to go first and to say the thing. And then that immediately creates a space for the other person to say the thing. And then also, like, you know, I am a little more, it's weird for me to about to say this. I'm about to say I'm more intense than you. <laughs> that's that's saying something, Jess. I know. Friends? We're both so intense. We're so intense. <laughs> but I tend to be, I don't know, like. You go there. You go, go there. there. I go there and I what I love to go there still some for myself. I'll go there with the whole wide world. I'll make everybody else. I mean, I'm queen of question asking and deep thinking for other people. I just, it's hard for me. Well, and I think I know this and you write about this and you talk about this, that, you know, you will kind of, I like vulnerability in the present moment. I don't like it when a friend comes to me and was right. like, man, I was really struggling with this over the last few months. And I'm like, really? Because I was like having lunch with you once a week during that season. You know? This isn't a hypothetical. This is me and That's you. Real. <laughs> That's real. And because I know that you have that tendency, I think that's why I'm like, no, I want in this moment, in this present moment, which is, you know, all that we're promised is this this moment that we have right now. I want to live that moment out in a vulnerable and authentic way. You know, if I know someone's holding out on me, even if it's not intentional, it makes me want to hold out, you know, yeah. and it makes me do this dance of, oh, does she trust me? Does she not really want to be vulnerable? Like, you know, what's going on in this moment? And then that make, makes me hold back. So when I sense someone holding back, I do. I hopefully in a tender way. I mean, golly, I've I've definitely not always. I don't like it when you're tender. That's awkward. You are you are bold and you say it, and I love it like that. And sometimes you're like, I can't believe I just said that. And I'm like, I love that you just said it. It's one of the reasons I love our friendship is because there's never this wondering. There's never this. Gosh, is she mad? Is she hurt? I mean, you just tell me. So let's define what because I've I've often called myself, and I notice people like this sister friends. Like I am a sister friend. That's how. 
how I work, which means when we're friends, like if I come over to your house, like I don't want it to be clean. I'm going to help you clean it. Like I, sisters just kind of jump in together. They don't necessarily need entertainment. They just need to be alongside. And I think that that's something that we've done well together is we're just kind of alongside, alongside in adoption, alongside in leadership, alongside in going on an adventure together. Like we just kind of jump in alongside of each other. And and so let's talk, you've built a huge sisterhood with Noonday, and that is absolutely the culture at Noonday. It's been fun to get to visit almost every year the conference of, you know, of leaders that you've assembled and all these women that are ambassadors for the organization, my sister being one of them and another dear friend of mine, Lara Choi. So I've had these pretty deep glances into your um, culture of what you've built, and it is a sisterhood culture. So let's talk about what defines that. Like, what are some of the mm-hmm. qualities of of relationships that really build more of a commitment to each other, like sisters, than mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. casual friends? Because I think a lot of people are decent at casual friendships. A lot less people are good at sisterhood friendships, and yet we're all craving that. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's that idea of imperfection. I loved it when you guys were literally your moving trucks were in your driveway and it was Cooper's birthday. And you just said to a few of us, like, come over, let's celebrate Cooper's birthday. You had no furniture in the house. I think there were like no cupcakes left at the grocery store except for pink ones. Like it was just like that. It was this rough. Is, this is how we're doing it. This is yep. how it goes. And I think that there's just got to be that place where you're willing to not put up the masks that we all tend to put up. And how can we create a space for one another to be brave? And I think in order to be brave, some of the bravest things you can do is feel your feelings And I think that's what happens in our conversations is we're calling each other out. You know, I think of Adam and Eve and that hiding that happened, you know, when they sinned and they went and hid. And I think that so much of us are in hiding and we have facets of ourselves that go into hiding. And I just want to be like God came looking for them saying, you know, where are you? Come here. I want to be with you, even in your sin, even in your shame. You know, that is the kind of friend I want to be. I want to reflect God's image, like that very character that he reflected, you know, being so sad in the garden, you know, because he had created friendships. God is so about community and he created these people to walk with him. And we went and hid in sin and shame, but he comes looking for us even in our sin and in our shame. And that's what friendship is. It's coming to one another, not in the places where, you know, tra-la-la, you you launched the book and it did awesome, or, you know, your kid just one state. Like there's all the good things that we want to celebrate, but we want to also come looking for one another, literally to come looking for one another. I think that is the power of pursuit. We all want to be pursued. So what if we became those people that were pursuers of one another's hearts? And that's what God does for us. And that's what God calls us to do in our friendships. And we can do that when there's vulnerability, there's there's empathy, there's authenticity. I mean, all these, they're kind of these coin words, but when you actually break them down and practice them in your friendships, that's where healing comes. That's where freedom comes. Well, I just, I know that people are listening right now and they're thinking to themselves, I would give my right arm 
for a friendship like this. I would give my right arm for somebody that was a safe, soft place and that called me out and that fought for me. So what does it look like for someone to build and create that in their own life? What do you, what are some real practical steps that they can take to create that in their own life? Because this didn't just come out of thin air. That's what we want you guys to hear is this is a very special friendship. Yes, but it did not come out of thin air. We have put the work in. We have prioritized each other. We have been intentional. We have picked up the phone and called each other and asked the hard questions. That happens regularly. I'm thinking about three weeks ago, I'm sitting in front of my house and you and I are catching up and you're asking me the invasive questions. And I remember just exactly what you said. Like I had to decide how I felt because I hadn't even thought about it in months or weeks. And so, you know, that is... It's hard. I'm not saying that those conversations feel great and happy all the time. In fact, a lot of them feel difficult. But what are some really specific steps that people can take to to begin to create this? First of all, you've got to be willing to be the pursuer. I think I used to tell myself this story, like a victim story, like, oh, I'm always the one to pursue. And I made myself feel an outsider because of that. And really now I'm like, that's a gift. Like I like to pursue people. God likes to pursue people. Cool. I'm kind of like God in that way. And, you know, I think that you can tell yourself, like you can look to confirm the story that you'll never have a friendship like this and that you've tried this and it never worked. Or you could look to confirm the story that God has a friend for you and that maybe tag your it, like you get to be the one to pursue and cultivate and build that. And you've got to be willing to go first, willing to exercise vulnerability. And then also just, you know, learn to be a listener. I think that people are longing to be heard and seen and known. And there's some practical ways that you can, you know, practice listening to other people where they share and then you reflect back to them. What I hear you saying is this, is that right? Is that how you feel? You know, I think that's another really practical thing and just spending time, you know, doing, calling the person up and be willing and doing the fun things too. Like the random, like, Hey, let's go shopping together. And then, you know, I think I called you a few weeks ago when I was crying alone in my car And it was a moment where I thought I could cry alone or I could call a friend and like have someone witness this, bear bear witness with me in this. And so I called and it felt good because I, you know, I'm not a huge crier. I mean, we're both sevens. We both are kind of living our heads and stuff. But so I think it's important too to just be willing to show show all the, uh, the range of emotions that we can feel in friendships too. that you guys will love the find your people study guide that has streaming video and just goes even deeper into the scripture and the topics that Jenny talks about in the book. What we always recommend is that you start with the book, do the book club kit with us, go along that journey through the book. And then when you're done with the book club, do the Bible study. It's actually two different resources, but they go together and it really is a whole experience that your group can do. You can do individually that can help you build deep community in a really, really lonely world. The Find Your People Bible Study is available now at all retailers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast.